This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. You are love. You may have forgotten this truth about yourself. You may have made many mistakes, but you are not your behavior. You may think you are unredeemable, but you are. You may not know how to live without constant shame of who you have been or who you are being, but you can learn a different way. In fact, everything you have been through is a gift provided to you specifically. You are needed. You are needed now. Your healing is important because it's the greatest gift you can give the world. You may have been struggling for a while, but the struggle can now be over. Let the struggle go so that the truth, love, and light can come in. Valerie Atelis interviews Beverly Sartain, the president of the Holistic Coach Training Institute, counselor, coach, author, and speaker. Beverly Sartain is the president of the Holistic Coach Training Institute, where she trains aspiring coaches on coaching skills and business setup. The Holistic Coach Certification Program is an ICF-ACSTH accredited program that focuses on a holistic approach to coaching. We see clients as whole, complete, and resourceful to create creative solutions to their challenges and issues. Additionally, Beverly provides individual and group coaching through her brand, Recovery Life Management. She received her BS from the University of Florida and an MA from the University of Santa Monica. During her 10-year career in nonprofits, she managed and developed domestic violence and co-occurring residential programs. Beverly is a certified alcohol and drug counselor. She has her PCC, Professional Certified Coach, from the ICF. Beverly enjoys helping professionals empower themselves around their skill set in online coaching business. She currently resides in Jacksonville, Florida, with her husband Richard and their four dogs. Meet Beverly at HolisticCoachTrainingInstitute.com and RecoveryLifeManagement.com. Here is the interview with Beverly Sartain. In your own words, who is Beverly Sartain? Beverly Sartain is a spiritual being having a human experience. That's how I would describe it. Yes. Talk to me about what is the meaning of what is to be spiritual? Like from your perspective now, knowing that this is just an experience in a human body, what would be to be a spirit without the body? Do you have any ideas? Yeah, I think that through you know my own healing that I've done and, and the work that I've done in spiritual psychology, um, I went through a de-identification process of living my life from my humanness 
And I had a lot of challenges with life through that lens. And so when I heard I'm a spiritual being having a human experience, it was the first time that I was able to resolve the shame I had around past choices and behaviors um, through my human experience. And it was the first time that I was able to experience myself, my loving essence, um, my authentic self. And so, um, you know, every day for me now is really how can I live more from the spiritual being while I still utilize the human experience for the gift that it is. In a way, it seems to me like everything is spiritual, isn't it? Even the um, the body doing what it does and, and doesn't do it, um, all the things that we have done, what's happening now, what will happen. I don't see any separation, Beverly. I agree. And I, for me, learning uh, spiritual psychology principles and paradigms was really really impactful. And it's supported me in learning that there's spiritual curriculum that we're all going through and really just taking more of a spiritual perspective and looking for the learning so that I can continue to grow, grow as, as much as I can while I'm here. And so that's really been my soul's mission. And with that in mind, question that I often ask is, have we chosen to be here in a human body? Do you believe that? Or this is something just happened? Yeah, I believe that we've chosen to be here and that there's particular spiritual curriculum and life lessons that we're meant to go through to awaken to the truth of who we are, which I believe to be love. Mm, um, yes, so that's what I, yeah. You were just talking about this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love. Yeah, yeah, that's, as I said, off record, unconditional love. Would you yeah. use that word too, those two words yeah. together? Absolutely. Um, and for me, it's been recognizing that I am this loving essence and I've always been this loving essence. And that's um, what I was able to tap into even when I was very connected to my ego. I always felt like I had this potential inside of myself from a very young age. Um, and my path ended up getting a little dark for a while. Um, but I never lost that connection to that inner potential. And I'm, I'm forever grateful that I was able to actualize that potential in this lifetime. Beautifully said. Um, I love that when you say that you're always that mm -hmm. you're never separate from love. So that brings us to that deeper understanding that everything is love which is really challenging to accept that even the ego, it plays a role, doesn't it? <laughs> Taking us to that path that we call enlightenment or having this meaningful experience or whatever greatness that we envision, everything's connected. There's no disconnect, really. How do you communicate this message to those who are still stuck with the idea that this is good, this is bad, I should, I shouldn't do this, but the separation ideas, mm -hmm. how do you communicate the truth to them? Um, I, I tend to share a, a technique learned through spiritual psychology of learning how to befriend, befriend the different aspects of yourself. You know, I think a part of Uh, or a challenge I had on my path is that I was in so much resistance, you know, so when we're resisting, then um, 
we're really cutting off the flow to that love, to that support. Um, and so for me, it was really learning how to befriend my anxiety, learning how to befriend the ego, learning how to befriend my humanness, you know, instead of trying to avoid or cut off these parts of myself, which I did for a very long time, I got to a place through um, techniques of just how can I use this life experience that's happening to me? What am I meant to learn from this? What am I meant to receive from this? And so it created a very loving and compassionate environment. And, and one of the principles that they talk about a lot is healing happens in the loving. And that was really powerful for me because I had always been very self-critical. I had a lot of self-judgment. I had a lot of shame. And so it made perfect sense that when you're in that space of judging yourself, judging others, judging the world, it's very hard to resolve anything from that spot. But when you can learn how to let in more love, then the loving heals, the loving resolves it for you. Um, so a lot of my process was learning actually at the beginning how to let in more love and support from the universe um, and from other people so that I could heal. And so that's how the, the process went down for me. Just to make a comment about what you just said about being stuck and love. Love seems to be the energy of flowing. Do you feel the same? Like when it has to do with moving, dancing, it's the energy of movement, isn't it? Yeah, for me, it was like, as you're saying that, I'm like getting a visual of my heart opening up. Like, that's what it was for me. I was so shut down. And I, I always have this imagery of a shield in front of my heart. It was like I was trying to protect myself from the self-judgment and just the self-loathing that I had. And so it was really hard for me to open up my heart to other people, to other experiences, to new opportunities because I didn't have the tools to resolve my own judgment. And so when I learned how to do that and let in more compassion and self-forgiveness um, and self-acceptance, it, it's like then I could approach new experiences and allow myself to have the experience without withdrawing or shutting down or, or not even trying. And so for me, it was like, it was an opening of my heart. And I also got like a lot of hits on my crown chakra. So it was almost like also like a coming in on my crown chakra. Um, so that's how it came in for me. Open up to life because yeah, that's the movement being open to what happens, what's here present emotions, anything, just being open to them. Not in the sense of being naive. I don't like the idea of being naive about anything, but just open in a sense of acceptance, of curiosity, I guess, right? That's what it is. So talk to me for a moment about um, spiritual psychology. How did you discover it? It was such a transformational experience, and I've been teaching it for the last 15 years myself. So um, I discovered it when I was at a crossroads in my life, I was 26 years old and I was working at a domestic violence shelter, being of service to other people, realizing I wasn't being of service to myself. And at that point, I hadn't worked on any of my untreated trauma. I had, you know, mismanaged anxiety 
and was using substances to cope um, with all that as, as I was also using relationships and overworking and all those kinds of things. Um, so I ended up, um, beginning to work on myself to do healing work on myself. And I happened to be working with somebody at the domestic violence shelter who was connected to the university of Santa Monica, where he was studying the spiritual psychology and, um, and he, he just, he knew my spirit. He knew my potential. He saw the same that I felt inside. And he said, I really think that this would be something that would be of service to you that you would really enjoy. And so when I was six months sober, I ended up going back to school for a master's degree in spiritual psychology. Um, and that's how it was introduced to me. Yeah. And if you were to describe what spiritual psychology is, how would you describe that? What would you say? Yeah, the definition is the study and practice of the art and science of conscious awakening. So that's actually what the, the definition is of it. That kind of goes back to the being open, open to life again. You're conscious that this is, is whatever, being present with what is present. Yeah, what I really liked about it is because I had a, a background in psychology. And so what I really liked is that they supported us around the mental level, the emotional level, the spiritual level, and the physical level. And so I really, at that point in my life, I needed more strategies around how to resolve things that were in my consciousness. Like for me, as I said, there was a lot of judgment there um, about myself. And so I didn't know how to rectify that. And what was great about the spiritual psychology is that they teach you these tools and techniques that rectify it actually on the spiritual level. So they're not just like mental flips. They're not just things that maybe we, we um, hear in other modalities. It, for me, it was the deeper resolution on a spiritual level that really hit home and resonated with my soul and supported me in doing some really deep healing work. In the book, you talk about holistic healing, I believe, and you describe what it feels like. I have it here somewhere, but now because I have too many things, it will take too long to go back and to go down here. I'll get to that when I get to that. Uh, what are some of the misconceptions about healing? from your perspective? Um, I think some of the misconceptions are just the, the imagery that people get about what it means to be a healer and what it means to, to do healing work. I think that's why I loved the spiritual psychology so much because it was really practical. Like I'm super practical. I love to do practical things because for me, it's not just about gathering information. It's about the application of the information. So I think if people could just understand that healing isn't just done, you know, through the spiritual level, it's done through these different levels, then it can feel really well-rounded and well-balanced. And, and it really supports you in having a better life, a better life experience, a better quality of life. And so I don't know if people understand that process of deeper healing and then know how to apply it to get the deepest healing available. That makes so much sense what you said, that we are kind of obsessed with knowledge and thinking, that we keep everything up there in that headspace, the mental space intellectually and we don't really move that through the body and apply that in a way that 
works. I have not asked too many guests this question, but I'll ask you. Is healing or healing self-healing? I have heard this before. So I would love to know what you think about this. Somebody has said, I don't know who did, but said all healing is self-healing. For me, it was a co-creation. You know, so for me, it was learning how to let go of my ego enough to allow myself to connect with my authentic self. And then I felt like my authentic self was in this, this co-creative dance with my humanness, with my authentic self and with the creator or the universe or whatever you would call it for yourself. But for me, there was this um, co-creation that happened there that really supported me. It was really powerful for me because I had um, issues, have had issues with self-reliance of, of believing like I have to be the one to do it. And what I actually needed was to believe and buy into that I was supported by the universe. And so through the two-year process that I went through with the spiritual psychology, I was really able to deepen in my connection with my authentic self, but also in my connection with just the presence of the universe. Um, so that's, that's how I, I see it. I have another question for you about self-judgment and low self-esteem and self-doubt. Now, at this point that you're at, do you still have those emotions? Do they still arise or they are completely gone? Such a great question. And I talk about this a lot, actually. So I always say when I started, I was 95% self-judgment, 5% um, in a positive state. And now I would say it's flipped. I'm 95% uh, in a good space and then 5%, you know, that sometimes there's some self-judgment. Um, sometimes I'll get an old feeling. Um, a few months back, I got like this um, above the solar plexus. Um, and underneath the heart chakra, I got this experience of despair. And I immediately just witnessed it, um, which is a win for me, not going into narrative or story about it. And just witnessed it and realized, oh, this is something old. This is, it, it, it wasn't something present to me. It was just something old. And I just allowed it to be and sent it love and, and knew that it would pass when it needed to pass. And that was the case. So, yeah, it's I, I'm in such a great space now. Um, but I, I always tell people life still happens to me. Happening. So it's yeah. not like, you know, sometimes there's things that happen in life that are not great. Um, people pass or, or there's just challenges that we all go through. And so um, regardless of the fact that I've resolved a lot of things, life is still happening to me. But I believe that because. I choose to look at every experience and find my learning and find my spiritual growth in it that I'm able to use every opportunity that happens in life for, for my greater good. Wow. Yeah. Having yeah. the tools makes such a huge difference. Well, for me, the perspective that's been the biggest tool that's been supportive to me is the perspective and the paradigm shifts that I've had just being able to look through a different lens has really changed the way my life has been. That is everything, really. Perspective, perception, right. I love that because if we can end 
confusion and conflict and self-judgment and, and all that comes with confusion, which all these negative aspects, that means that we expand that to others. So now we don't judge ourselves, then we don't judge others. That is such a wonderful thing. Yes. Right? <laughs> I agree. Yeah, to live in such a you way. Your life working on that, I think that is a life well lived. I really do. I think if, if one works on you know, resolving what's in your own consciousness and, and learning how to deeply and fully love yourself and being a demonstration of that to other people, I, that is a life well lived in my book. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know anything better than that. <laughs> if you can stop judgment, then that's it. So you, you're right. there. I know there's no it's destination, freedom. but yeah, that's it in the spectrum of it, of everything. So you wrote the book, Transcending Trauma, How I Used Spiritual Psychology to Heal My Life. Talk to me for a moment about the main inspiration and the intention of writing your book, Beverly. That's a great question. The main inspiration of writing this book was the fact that I got through a major, major hurdle in my life and was on the other side of this. And I wanted to share my recovery and healing process with people and let them know that there's different pathways to recovery and healing. And I wanted to share how I particularly applied spiritual psychology. And so I share you know, exercises, I share actual assignments that I turned in. So it's a very vulnerable and personal book to me. But I wanted people to see what the process actually looked like as it was applied. Right. Uh, and you did a wonderful job at it. It's very rich. I have to go back to it because <laughs> there's so many passages that I wanted to read. And then I had too many points here. Before I ask you some more questions, talk to me about the uh, holistic coach training institute that you have created? Yes, yeah, so I've been a coach for the last seven years. I actually went from substance abuse counselor to coach and um, have been on this incredible journey with coaching. I, if you've never been coached before, I highly recommend it. And if you're wanting to coach other people, I highly recommend it. It's, I always say my first transformation happened with spiritual psychology and my second transformation came through coaching. Um, and so I started by coaching other people. Um, and then quickly people came to me asking for business mentorship. And then we now are offering coach certification. That's ICF, International Coaching Federation accredited. And so, um, yeah, it's been an incredible, incredible journey. Yeah, it sounds like that expansion of love. Right, right. It's right. the most beautiful thing <laughs> yes. to me. Thank you, Beverly, for allowing that to happen, really being open to those experiences. Well, it's interesting. And I appreciate your your just your love and support on this because um, the training institute came about because somebody actually approached me to purchase their coaching school. So it was not even on my radar to be to train other coaches. Um, I had considered it before, but it wasn't really on my radar. And when this person came to me and wanted me to buy their coaching school, we didn't end up landing on a deal, but it encouraged me so deeply to move forward with doing it myself. And we did. Life will send those synchronicities, those signs, right? To us, both signs. And if we, uh, ready and attentive, then we don't miss exactly. them. Exactly. 
It was like spiritual breadcrumbs. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh, that's cute. <laughs> that's very cute. Right? And so that's, that was one of those moments in life where I was like, the universe absolutely has my back. I just, that was the moment I knew for certain that it was just not something I could have ever have dreamed up. And so the fact that it, it, it came to me and it gave me the idea, I just, and then I executed on it. And, um, and here we are now. <laughs> right, this is it. Uh, that beautiful fruit from that tree. Right. <laughs> it takes trust, doesn't it, Beverly, to read those signs, to go through the healing work. Would you say courage, trust, or intuition. both intuition, right? <laughs> right. But it's trusting the intuition. So yes. Yeah. And then it absolutely takes courage to follow through. I think um, I've, over the years, you know, part of my practice every day is to follow an intuitive practice. And so I've been developing my intuition, you know, over the last five to 10 years, I would say. And so I, I'm very intuitive about um, how I take care of myself. And so I'm also very intuitive about my actions that I take. And so, yes, there, there's a trust that is cultivated by listening to the internal nudges and following through on the internal nudges. Do you associate intuition to the heart, the heart uh, energies? Oh, this is something separate, intuition. The way it comes in for me is I have some some audio, um, just I, I can hear things. Um, so it comes in through the ear for me a lot. That's actually what makes me in particular really good at coaching other people because I can hear the deeper meanings underneath things. And so then I can ask powerful questions and do some direct communication with people around that. So we can get to the heart of the matter a bit quicker. Um, so I hear and then um, I get just a lot in my in my consciousness, actually, where I just, it's, it's almost like telepathy in a sense. I, I have that a lot with people, but, um, I just receive a lot of downloads. And so, like I said, I have a lot of spaciousness in my day and I'm very connected. And so I spend a lot of time receiving downloads every day and then taking action on those downloads. In your book, you say, I was committed and devoted to other people's success, yet didn't want to participate in my own. So the chapter it was titled, The Girl Who Was Helping Everyone But Herself. So my question is, why does it happen? It happened to me and so many people that I know of. What is the cause for this disconnection with self? I think it's training. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? yeah. <laughs> I think it's societal training yeah. in a yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, it's familial training. And, and I don't think any of those things are, are ill-intended. Um, I think that, you know, I just, I grew up learning to volunteer and I got awards and accolades and all these things for being of service to other people. And so it's just how I got my worth and my value when I was younger. Um, and that's just how I learned it. And so it required an unlearning. Um, and I was trying to unlearn by using maladaptive coping mechanisms for a long time. And so I was just unconscious at that time. And so then once I stopped the behavior, specifically the substance use, um, it really opened me up again and awareness started to surface. And 
I was able to take that awareness and then do something with it. Um, and that changed the trajectory of my life. I wonder why some of us, they're open to these um, deeper perspectives, you know, shifts, and, and some are not. Have you wondered, Beverly? Well, I talk about in the book being ripe and ready for a new way of being. And so I think what happened for me is that my crossroads was so significant. You know, I went into suicidal ideations and I was at such a desperate place in my life where I could not carry on living the way that I was doing life. I needed to learn a different way of being with myself so that I could enjoy life. And so I was at such a crossroads that I, at that moment, because I got support and help, I became available for this new way of being, which came to me through spiritual psychology. Um, so I think a lot of people are safe and comfortable within their unconsciousness. Um, they're just, they're just safe and comfortable there, right? There's nothing that's rocked the boat enough, um, to really create a, a need for a new way of being. And then there's other people, like you said, that um, they're just open to that and they're seeking it and they are on a path to actualizing that. So that's how it happened for me. That makes a lot of sense that some people, as you said, they're just comfortable being unconscious and some of us are not. I think they're called the seekers, as you said to use that word. And some of us are just kind of pushed into it right suffering that right case. that was my case too <laughs> yes right. and i see more often than not that's how it happens through uh, pain suffering and pain and that's unfortunate isn't it sad in a way to to think that this is not the only way but the most popular way to go deeper but it doesn't have to be right beverly we can learn i guess we can be open, at least open to new ways of thinking, if not ways of living, because this it's challenging enough to change everything, but ways of thinking. So the judgment, which I see as one of the, the most harmful feelings and emotions we, we can carry, is judgment for ourselves and others. That's where everything starts, all the, the conflicts, the wars and the, the separation, the hatred. It's coming from that place. So I'm not sure what I was getting at with this whole, what I was just saying now, but yeah, being open to healing and to change the way we think to me, it's enough. It seems like it is enough even. Yeah. I'm, you know, for me, the perspectives and the paradigm shifts were so essential and they still are. It's like, I needed a loving language um, because I didn't have that loving self-talk going on within my consciousness. And so spiritual psychology gave me these principles and paradigms that were very loving. And that's what I needed to begin to open up. And so I would just say to anybody listening that, you know, if, if you're following certain principles in life, you know, may they be principles that support you in feeling love, joy, <laughs> you know, and peace. And if they're not, then then perhaps seeking or looking for other principles that do resonate with your soul and do make you feel love, um, joy and peace within your within your consciousness. I love what you said in the book. You say facing your truth is the hardest thing you will ever do. It is why so many don't. Maybe that's the answer to my question, too, there the, about people 
those who do and those who don't. And then you said, yet facing your truth will also be the most liberating experience of your life when you can rejoice in the knowing that you are all you ever needed. My question to you, when you talk about your truth, do you see the ultimate truth besides our own truth or the ultimate truth is our own truth? For me, the truth that I'm talking about there is just the loving essence. And for me, the loving essence is connected to the universal essence, right? So it's just, it's remembering the truth of who I am beyond my ego. It's remembering that I'm the spiritual being having the human experience. Um, And the reason that facing that's so hard at first is because there is a de-identifying and a shedding of the ego that happens, And when you first start to look, you're going to start to see a lot of things that you might not like about yourself. And so that's why I think people also return to behaviors or, um, you know, old coping mechanisms because they haven't resolved that yet to just experience themselves as the spiritual being there. There's, I always say there's like, you're crossing a bridge and you, you're, you know, like from ego to spiritual and spiritual being, and you, you're like halfway in, on the bridge. If you just keep walking, you're going to experience <laughs> that rejoicing of, mm. of living your life from that place. Um, but as I talk about in the book, there's skills that you're going to likely have to learn in order to cross that bridge. For me, it was learning how to have self-compassion and working through self-forgiveness, which has been one of the most powerful techniques for me. So these were things that I could use when judgment would come up. I would be able to apply a tool to the judgment so that I could resolve it and let it go in the moment. And I've just gotten so good at that that I don't really have those judgments come up anymore. That is really wonderful. Empowering, really inspiring and empowering to know that those old patterns, they don't come anymore. Or if they do you know exactly what to do. I mean, you recognize them. That's uh, self-awareness, right? Well, awareness, as you call it. It's almost like those patterns dissolve. I even like imagining that, like using imagery there. Um, The more that we bring the loving to it, they just dissolve. And they, you know, return to the nothingness from which they came. So then it's just not an issue anymore. It's really when we... um, well, not think about it because it cannot be rationalized anyway. It's right. not a rational thing. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, being nothing, it's a nothing that is alive in the sense of imagined. Because I do see this reality here as uh, imagination not even being created yet. Because I don't think creation would end, though. And the body ends, emotions, they come and go, thoughts, ideas, but whatever is created if it was created, it can never end. It was created, so it never ends. So it seems like this is, um, yeah, is this uh, is the movement of imagination. Yeah, and I've been playing around with this word now because, as you were talking about, for me, there's just this constant expansion that's happening now in my spiritual growth and transmutation, like transmuting things, has been this really interesting and fascinating topic to me. So, so transmuting, um, pain or suffering or these energies and just, you know, transmuting them into love and grace and energy. 
to be used for the greater good of all. You know, like I like this idea of just being able to take that emotion or that story or judgment and just transmuting it. And so, yeah, that's <laughs> yes, yeah, it resonates. I love that, Beverly, because that's how I understand it too. And you call transmuting, transforming. I just kind of I tend to be very simple. I guess I call it just um, moving through it. Yeah, it's great. It's the same thing, isn't it? Same We're just thing. using words, yeah. right? Exactly. And that's it. It's like, use the words that work for you. Use the words that make you feel into it and really let go of it. You know, so that's great. Yeah. <laughs> and I noticed that even if when I'm not able to do that or whatever in me, whatever is here, does cannot do it. I also accept that too. And yes. let it stay. Beautiful. I mean, not let it stay, but it stays. And then I, I just kind let of it support it. <laughs> yeah, it goes back to unconditional. Yeah, unconditional love, right? Supporting everything. So we're almost at the end. And I have so many other topics here from your book. Let me say some of the things that caught my attention. I love the way you talk about uh, gold line it, that was changed to soul line the way you used to live and then how you live now. I love what you said in the book. Part of transformation is this deconstruction, which is so true. And my transformation was one of mine to spirit. And I love this one too. You said one of the biggest misunderstandings is that something outside of us has to change in order for us to change. That made me stop. Yeah. When I like, wow, so true. What did you like about it? Everything just makes so much sense. It's not about changing the outside. It's the inside. It's, there's nothing, in a way, there's nothing happening outside. But, but what's happening here in our own minds, perception, everything's perception, really. It's like in a dream. It's how you, you interpret. And I don't think we have too much choice, really. So that's why I love the idea of being open and being able to move through these to it all uh, with grace. Yeah, I was in victim consciousness for a long time. And what I mean by that is I was in this state in my consciousness where I felt very sorry for myself um, and what had happened to me in my childhood. And I just could not drop it. I could not drop the energy of the past. And I kept bringing it to everything I was doing and it was getting in the way. Um, And so learning how to be more in this co-creator energy, you know, this creation energy is really what supported me from shifting from that kind of thinking into supporting myself more. So in your book, you have the four keys to conscious transformation, awareness, uh, relating to self better through my thinking, um, learning new skills and daily practice. Your book has so many, I think it has five, six parts. I'm not sure at this point here. I just made too many notes. Now I'm lost with them all. But acquiring the keys, that's part five in your book. And you have, for some reason, I'll have key five here. So if you remember, Beverly, that'll be helpful. So key one, increase awareness. Key two, change your thinking. Three, develop new skills. Four, practice to embody. 
Yeah, there's only four keys. Four, right? Okay, so it's not five. It's part five. Or maybe um, it's not even part five. Okay, just the information. Don't don't take the the numbers (laughs) seriously. Or yourself seriously, too seriously. Um, (laughs) So let me see the But practice to embody. This is what you've been, I mean, this is what you are now, isn't it? Yeah, it's just, it's the application of whatever tools and techniques work for you, right? (laughs) So so it's just, it's the embodiment to me is, it's the new way of being. And you're right. I've been living this way now for such a long time that it's, it doesn't even feel like I have to intentionally practice it anymore because again, it's just the truth of who I am. So now, like I said, the practice for me is more intuitive about being really connected um, and making sure I'm connected to the presence and that I stay connected to the presence throughout the day. And if I feel that I have disconnected from the presence and gone more into my ego or my humanness, then there's no judgment about that. It's just a question of where do I want to be? And for me, it's, it's being connected to my loving essence. And so I tend to engage things every day that support me in staying in that place. So like I said, I have a very spacious day because of the way that I've set up my work life now. I have a lot of connection to nature every day. I have this connection with my dogs, um, you know, connection with, you know, stones and crystals and, and just beauty, surrounding myself with beauty and creating sacred space. So it's all of the things I experience inside of myself. I'm now actually, you know, painting the picture outside of myself. And that's what's been so wonderful is I spent so many years working on the inner self. And now I'm really crafting this beautiful life that I really enjoy. Yeah, that that's what it sounds like yeah, listening to you. I love um, the way you say that about even if you go back to the humanness or the ego, as you call it, then it, there's no judgment, but just a question of where where do I want it to be? What kind of experience do I want to have? And then returning to it. And I know, like, deep, deep inside of myself, you know, I, I know that the truth of, of me wants to be in the spiritual being and sharing my spiritual being with other people like we're doing right now. I love the self-reflections, too. You have them at the end of each chapter. It's yeah, the book. application. <laughs> yeah, right. It's Profound my questions. way of helping people apply what they're reading. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's uh, thank you so much for doing the work. I mean, in every way, every way you're doing that as a gift to us. You have a, a section in your book that's called the ultimate healing, where you say the real healing was remembering my loving essence. I remembered my power. I remember my greatness. I remember my worthness. At the very end, before we end, you have this passage beautifully written. I know I would love for you to read that, but I think it might be a bit too long. And I think I have part of that as the very beginning, the intro of this podcast. I have part of that passage of peace that you have written. Before we end, I do have these ending questions. Would you like to add anything that we have nice spoke? No, I just want to encourage people to work on their consciousness. I think if there's, you know, if you're wondering where to do the work, 
I have just found the most impactful place to do the work is to learn to work with your consciousness, learning to work with what's in your consciousness, and then always remembering that you have dominion over what's in there. And so um, doing that work is just, it's, it's the best work I think one can do for, for your soul's mission. And a few more questions before we end. I'll ask this one. It's a fun one. What do you love most about being in a human body as of today? That's a great question. And I've, I've in the past, had a lot of challenges with being in my body. Uh, I feel like I've resolved so much of that. So that's why this question for me is even more powerful. Um, because now I get to enjoy being in my body. I think just learning how to be grateful for the human experience um, has been a journey for me. And so appreciating my body more um, and that it allows me to see and to feel and to hear and to experience all of the beauty around me has been remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. The body being a tool to the tool. I mean, it is a tool of experience, right? Without the body, we can't experience all this and we can we couldn't be talking now so two more questions what is another word for healing well loving's coming in yeah um just because those words go go together for me it's it's just like energy loving you know loving yes it's Mm -hmm. definitely loving (laughs) (laughs) yes loving is healing you know and it's that loving energy Mm -hmm. that that heals I truly believe. And my last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment? Well, I know for sure that we came here to realize that we're spiritual beings having a human experience and that we are here to experience ourselves as loving and be loving towards other people and share that loving with others. Um, And just that there's an opportunity to grow your soul as much as possible while you're here so that you can experience a deep freedom and inner peace. Thank you so much, Beverly, for your presence, your loving presence, your work, this sincere desire to help yourself and others heal yourself through spirit, through spirituality, and then expanding that to others and everything else that could be felt today. Thank you. Thank you. And before we go, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Yes. Thank you for asking that. The best place to find me really is the holistic coach training institute.com that has all programs. It has our podcast. It has our story. Um, it has our book there. And there's also a workbook that I have. Um, so everything is located on that website, holisticcoachtraininginstitute.com. Um, that would be the best place. And I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook if you're on there. And please know that I absolutely love to connect with people. So if you feel a nudge to reach out, follow that nudge, I would love to hear from you. Thank you so much again. And we'll talk soon, Beverly. Thank you. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Beverly Sartain and her work, please visit holisticcoachtraininginstitute.com and recoverylifemanagement.com.
To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org/podcast. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now.